Welcome back to the Everybody Soccer Podcast. Today we're here with Tim Kelly. Uh, Tim is a former MLS goalkeeper, but more notably the director of goalkeeping for St. Louis Scott Gallagher. If you've ever looked at a list of clubs for the U17 or U20 US roster release, you've probably seen Gallagher on there at some point. Uh, they're a fairly prominent club, producing good field players and goalkeepers alike. Uh, Tim has developed or worked with a number of MLS goalkeepers at some stage in their career, as well as having a number of young goalkeepers in, in the club currently that he's really excited about. Uh, the conversation Tim and I had was pretty free-flowing, and it picks up right in the middle, as there wasn't a proper starting spot, to be honest. Uh, Tim discusses his take on his job as a goalkeeper coach and where he inserts himself, but also talks about how he gets out of the way of a goalkeeper's development as well. Uh, he has on some of the intangible qualities and mentalities that contribute to a goalkeeper's success, as well as touching briefly on a U.S. Uh, on the U.S. Youth National Team setup, as far as goalkeepers are concerned. And then on the back part of the podcast, uh, he ends up discussing why he's optimistic about the future of American goalkeeping, uh, despite the current lull we're in. So uh, Tim has a lot of experience in developing goalkeepers, and he's been around a while to prove uh, the quality of his craft. So it was really wonderful to hear some outside-the-box thinking and someone to reassure us that the future is bright, uh, despite the current spot we're in right now. So with all, all that out of the way, here's Tim Kelly on American goalkeeping development. talked to there a little bit about um, trying to kind of get out of the way of the goalkeeper's decisions. So so where's that fine line where you're getting out of the way and they're making those decisions, but you're still, you know, you're still the coach. You're not just a spectator. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of our development model, um, personally, I don't have them watch themselves a lot. They can watch themselves in their own, like, video, say, like, say we have a game on Sunday. Um, obviously, they're going to watch. I'm going to watch a moment to see what it is. But I spend more time having them watching the goalies that are best in the world doing it correctly, not themselves doing it wrong. Mm. Um, and what I do is, when I, what, so if I talk to them, they, I, I want to know if they already have the answer before I even ask the question. And, and if I've got a kind of pro, then I know that they're confused on what happened. Um, I think most goalkeepers in general who played it or now coaching it, every situation you can find out, right? You can say, oh, you went too far to left or you went too far to right or you're too high or you know, whatever it is. But for them to actually figure out on their own, it's not holding their hand, if you will. Yeah. It's going to be very, uh, it's going to be bigger impact for them because going to be an environment where maybe it's, it's, the expectations are different. And now it's a matter of being consistent and winning games. Um, or if you're a second or third, maybe you don't get the attention that you get if you're the first. And you've got to be able to help yourself. And then I think no matter what sport it is, um, the athlete that works on their own, whether it's on the field or off the field, that's not always the answer. But hopefully they have an edge for the kid that doesn't do that or the player that doesn't do that. Um, so a lot of what I do is making them at the developmental ages from 14 to 17 really just focus on how are the best in the world doing it correctly and why are they doing it correctly. And, you know, the, the, the puzzles in front of them 
board or a, a player in front of him makes, a lot of times dictates the movement a goalie makes. A lot of times you'll see goalies move left and right, but they don't necessarily move forward or backwards. And sometimes you got to move backwards to create more space. And, and so for them to understand what movement in front of them dictates what what movement is happening in front of the say in front of the 18 dictates what movement they have to make in order to increase a percentage higher to make the save. So in my world, I'm always trying to teach them to increase their chances of making the save, not to make the save. Because somebody could just have an unbelievable shot and you could have perfect position. Mm. So how do, you, how do we get them to increase their percentages to make the save? Um, if they start thinking like that, they're going to start having um, better decisions. And then what I'm looking for is what is their movement, let's so say it's in training, and we're playing an 88 game that's somewhat small-sided, you know, say half the field or something, that's somewhat still realistic. I'm looking to see what their movement is, two or three passes before the shot even happens. That's usually, that's usually going to decide what, what, who has good positioning or not. A lot of times they're looking at the ball here from the shooter to try to still get to the spot. Well, they got to be faster than that. Yeah. And so if you can get there faster by anticipating, which is a big part of being a goalkeeper, the best goalkeepers are the ones that are probably best anticipators. Uh, Nick Romano would be a good example of that. Why he's five foot nine and he's able to have such a career he did. He's good at anticipating, he's good at his position. So that he mastered that. Yeah. You know, and, and so you know, to kinda of answer your question, I think the more I can get them to talk about it, not them hearing me talk about it, I think the better off they're gonna be down the road and then they're also obviously learning the position. And and on top of that too, the video work for me, if you know, the old rule of thumb is right, is the more experience the goalies the more they play, the more experience they have and you know, the game teaches them. But whether they see these days, especially with all the video and social media and everything else, I mean, what's the difference between them watching themselves doing it wrong on the T V or doing it right if they want to? Or watching lawyer doing it correctly. Is it really that different? Still a guy, still on TV. Right. So, so mimic what they're doing. Um, and, and we started doing that probably, I don't know, three to four years ago. I started implementing that, and it was just a crazy thought I had. And uh, you know, maybe other people do it. I'm sure they do. Um, I just do about 95% of. Their, their video is about 25% probably of other goalies, not themselves. 25% with me. Now, they, they'll do it on their own. You know what I mean? They always watch their own videos. But as far right, as me right. talking to them about their games right now, it's very limited. Hmm. Can't go back and change it. Yeah. You got to be ahead of it. And so, uh, but if you watch Bundesliga, if you watch like Bundesliga's Goals of the Week, most of the goals are unbelievable. And they're unbelievable because the position's so good. If you go watch MLS goals the week, and now over the span of time, right? Not just one video here and one video sure, there, sure. but if you watch 10 of each video, right? You can watch 10 different weeks of Bundesliga, 10 different weeks of MLS. The difference is the quality of shots are unbelievable. I mean, they're really, truly unbelievable goals. Not to take anything away from the MLS goals, because there's some good ones. But if you start watching more and more, you'll see how different the positioning is. Yeah. And, and so what might look like a great goal is actually off a poor position. Right. And, and so that's why also, you, you know, you have to have kids 
watch both ends of the spectrum. Um, and then they start picking up the movement. And, and that's like, for example, I'll do a screen, I'll do a couple screenshots, or I'll send them a video to my family kids, and I'll just send it, and it'll just, I'll just, I won't say anything. And they know I want to answer back. It doesn't matter who answers it to me, and they answer back and telling me, are they at least that person? Are they seeing it the way it happened in the game? You know, two passes away. The guy took the touch to his right that went laterally, so and he's at the twenty yard line. And it came from the twenty six, say the pass came from the twenty eight, you know, say edge of the box. The guy's making around in the in the, you know, say top of the nineteen yard line in the middle. He takes the touch laterally. Well, if you take the touch laterally, maybe that makes it an opportunity for you to step back to create more space, more space equals more time, more time could equal maybe an extra step. And that extra step could pay a big dividend. Yeah. You know, so, but to get them to start thinking like that, then they're on their way because they're controlling themselves in a way. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm here as a resource. I'm not here to tell them, you know, just, you know, just like any goalie or anyone who played a position will know that once you're on there, it's up to you what you do. <laughs> right. You know, right. And, 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 you know, so the more we can provide that information and then to really hone in on the, the mentality part of it, thinking part of it, then that will equal into the positioning. Probably the hardest thing for me is the leaning aspect, right? A lot of goalies want to lean. Right, right. Uh, and that's really hard. You know, it, you know, there are girls that do it, but it's still, it's still good. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the video work. Sorry, I kind of go on a long bit. No, but, you're fine. Uh, that's the video work that we do, and I, I think that's been a big, uh, and we'll see what these, you know, especially the three that are coming out, uh, Seth and Patrick and, and um, a few of our O2s and, you know, even our, we have an O3 that's really good. I mean, so we'll see, you know, I mean, right now it, it, it looks like it's the, the kind of uh, test is working, if you will. Um, and uh, but more than anything else, what, I, what I've enjoyed out at more than anything else is just you're starting to see the kids think about the position mm-hmm. and understand that it's not just about talking about the um, I don't know if micro movements is quite the right word sometimes it's small and sometimes it can be more than you know a couple, it can be a couple steps here and there um, yeah and, and that's something I feel like MLS goalkeepers struggle a lot with of finding a good middle ground because they either get stuck in their their spot and they you know the angle changes just slightly but now they're at a position they haven't been able to find you know how they can move quickly but short or they over move um, and I feel like I've seen that a lot, especially from maybe like a crossing situation where they're on the front post and they've got to get back post and then their, their momentum just carries them so much out of control that they go past the, the sport, the spot they're trying to get to. So, um, and you know, you mentioned Nick Ramondo, like one of the things I must've seen him do it 20, 30 times where the ball gets taken down the end line, he's on the front post and he starts scooting towards the top of the six cause he knows if they if they put it on frame, I can still cover it. So he's leaving the goal mouth because he's he's going towards the top of the six, 
And then, yeah. sure enough, they slap that ball, and he knows that he's done it a million times, and he just collapses on it. But even being one of the shorter goalkeepers in the league, he covers that area forward from the goal the most more than any other goalkeeper. And so, you know, I, he he's a really great example, like you said, of someone who he, he knows how far he can push the line, and he knows, well, I don't need to go this far, but I can take this small step and get me in a better spot. Right, and I think, and again, I think part of that is just him knowing himself, like you said, what he can and can't cover. Um, obviously, one of his biggest assets are, are is that he's so quick. Yeah. And um, but I think a large part of that for him, um, and is probably anticipation, right? I mean, if you're saying that he's already out in the spot before the guy even hits it, he's probably anticipating. Now, sometimes, you know, maybe a goalie can get paid for that because you're not guessing. Right, um, right. Because his timing on that, his timing on that anticipation is impeccable, right? If he's already out six, it's almost like, you know, how did he get there so fast? Right. Well, the timing of when he's leaving, and then his anticipation before that, that the guy's going to serve the ball, where he's going to serve the ball. The other clues are what's coming at him. And so as it's, as it's happening, is there only one threat? Is the one threat in the middle of the six, or in the middle of the box? Is he towards the back post? If he's towards the back post, and you know he's either going to make a run to the back post or to the middle, he's probably not going to have time to go any further than that. A lot of it is, to me, it's process elimination. And, and again, it goes back to, you know, like I tell the kids, the, the younger players, it's, you know, there's a jigsaw puzzle in front of them. They've just got to, they've got to very quickly put it together. And yeah. the quicker they can do it, then the more times you're going to see situations like Romano doing what, he, what he's doing. Right, right. You know, for me, for like Connor Sparrow, when Real drafted him, you know, Connor's a six foot, six one, extremely athletic, really good feet. I didn't think, I, you know, I told him right away, I was like, I, I think you got lucky that you're behind Nick Romano. Um, one is because if the organization has, has had success, he's not six foot five or six foot six, that whole period, and the taller they are, the better they're going to be. That's not true. Um, but also behind somebody, you know, it's like someone going at quarterback, right? You're behind Eli Manning or, you know, some of the best NFL. You're going to be sitting, with, you know, Tom Brady. You're going to be sitting behind somebody. I'd rather be Tom Brady than, you know, Donnie Manziel. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think, you know, and I, I think it's huge for Connor, but to be around someone like Nick, because, again, it, I, I've never met Nick. I've, I've watched him in training some, a couple times. I've seen him play. But to have the career that he has, it's, it's unbelievable. And the odds against him, uh, just like uh, John Bush, same way. He's five foot nine. What, what made John Bush have such a long career? Same thing. Their anticipation is off the charts. Yeah. You know, their positioning is off the charts. And I think a large part of it is probably the younger. You know, I'm six foot four myself. So when I first started coaching, I realized quickly, like, okay, this kid's going to be, like, currently we have a kid who's five foot nine. He was, was with our academy, and he's, he's going to go play D2. But I had to figure out, okay, well, he's not going to be six foot four. I got to teach him totally different, you yeah. know. And, yeah. and I think a large part is identifying them themselves, identifying what their strengths and weaknesses are. And I have a feeling like people like John Bush or Nick Ramondo, they, had, they didn't have a choice. They were on their own doing it, and they mastered it. Um, and, and by doing that, they master a position. And I think a lot of goalkeepers, whether they're five foot ten or six foot three, can really learn from that. And, and to kind of go back to what you're saying about the movement, 
that's dictated by the angle the the, the forward's at, the angle the passing angle, the pace of the ball. Touch off the is it, if it's not a one timer, the touch of the the forward, where you touch it, is it touch it is it a big touch towards you and you come out? Is it going away from you where you can you can create more space? Um, and that's where I think getting the goalkeepers that I work with to start recognizing those little small, quick, subtle touches that might give them enough time to get themselves in a position. There is, and, and as we know, the difference between make a save and not make a save could be six inches, could be a yard. It's not five feet. It's very minuscule most times. Yeah. No. It's just off, just a little bit. Yeah. No, uh, you know. yeah, if I, trying to find that, that spot there of, you you know, it's tough, You, you and I think you're kind of hitting on of, you don't want to overcoach, right, and just, you don't want to tell them every answer, because you're not giving them any answers there, you're just talking, but, you know, how do you find that line of finding that one extra inch for a player, even if they're 6'5", like, getting them one, one extra inch here and there, I mean, obviously it's going to be huge for them. Um, well... And I feel like you're you're getting at a, a little bit of it, so it might be a little bit of a repeat. But I, I'm curious on your take as far as um, developing goalkeepers in the whole landscape of, of the U.S., which obviously is a very big, you know, land. Um, so you, I'm sure you don't know everything on every state, but in general, you know, what? How do you view the way that you're developing goalkeepers, which obviously you've had success with getting them into the the youth national team programs versus the rest of the country? Yeah, you know, I, I again, I, I, I'm unorthodox. I mean, I, I don't look, I don't look at, I look at the individual and their assets as, uh, physically. Um, and, and I think a lot of times clubs, they train what comes to them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this, this kid wants to be a goalie, we'll put, put him in. Well, that may not be the best position for him. Or Eric, for example, the, the U16 that we converted be a goalkeeper uh, two years ago. This is his second full year of being a goalkeeper. Uh, he was a center back. Well, we went to him and said, okay, well, he's not going to make the academy team as a center back right now. We need to be thinking outside the box here. And to be honest, I kept on seeing him in goal before practices. A lot of times I go to complexes, I'll look at younger teams. I guess they all want to be goalie when no one's looking at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just <laughs> right, don't right. Goalie when they the coach asks them. Well, Eric, you know, and, and him and a few other kids, he would always be in goal every time I walked by the practice. Here's this kid. He's flying, making unbelievable saves. So for me, it's, it's a matter of finding kids that are doing things naturally without being coached, right? It, from a let, age of, say, 11 to 14 years old. And they just get things done. They may not always look pretty, but that's the goalkeeper coach's job is to get a more technically efficient, more consistent teaching the game, and then obviously the game will teach them more, and blah, blah, blah. But then, day, if a kid's not making a save at age 12 or 13, why is that kid all of a sudden going to make a save at 17 or 18? Right, right. And so, for me, it's identifying them as soon as I can, but there is no, for me, there is no written rule on that, and Eric's a great example, um, where there is no written rule on, on when a goalie has to be a goalie. Um, because a lot of times, I think, I think everybody can sit there and say that whoever played the game, whether they're goalie, field player, it doesn't matter. There's always their teammate. There's always that one teammate that 
for whatever reason, when he got in goal, he was really good. Never played goalie. But yeah, yeah. Good, right? <laughs> yep. They're going that kid. It's about finding those kids. It's about finding that kid who's playing, who's the 14th best field player on the team, but could be the best goalie in the country. So, but, but we live in a culture that it's about winning. A lot of the, and I get it because coaches feel pressure to win. Uh, they don't win or lose some of the kids to another team, a competing club, and I, I get all that. But I think until we start identifying players and athletes that fit the mold of a goalkeeper versus making the best out of what's kind of given to us. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, how, how do you... Yeah, and, how do you feel the the youth national team program has done? You know, because they're kind of an odd in, entity where they aren't. I mean, it's not like a club, so they're they're kind of picking and choosing. But do you feel on like the the national side of things that they're doing a good job of finding those players at the right ages? Because I, I feel like some of the stuff I've seen, I'm I'm kind of curious of why they keep going back to certain players, and then you see players. I mean, I guess you know I've talked a lot about them recently, but like Matt Turner is probably a good one for me. Where, you know, he, he had he had some people in his corner that were saying, "Hey, this guy's really good," but and couldn't really get anywhere. But once he got on the stage, he he produced. As a, and then we look at some of the, the youth national team goalkeepers, and it, it feels kind of thin to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it, it goes back to timing. It goes back to everyone, and, and by no means I think Matt Turner hit, even hit his peak yet. Yeah, but was he ready at that moment? He may not have been. Yeah. He might, you know, he very easily could have been, but unfortunately, our Navistine coach was. He already had the three goalies, or the goalie coach had the three goalies, or, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I think they've done a better job of being more inclusive and kind of uh, widening that net, um, if you will. But there's a lot of kids that I think that get lost in the shuffle for whatever reason. Whether Matt Turner, Connor Sparrow, I can give you. A story about him and his unconventional way, and right now he's a backup bullet. So by any by no means is he making a huge impact. Right. Uh, you know, I do believe he will at, at, at some point when he gets the chance. Everyone's path is totally different, and, and so not knowing that and not knowing necessarily his path, adversity makes goalkeepers, makes athletes. Everyone's adversity is a little bit different, and it goes back to what I said earlier. Sometimes staying underneath the radar gives you less pressure. And gives you makes you hungrier, and so maybe for Matt, that that was his answer. Mm. It, it's like, although you know, even even the goalkeepers that get invited to a, a youth national team camp that I work with, although I tell them it's a great honor and privilege, but then day it's about making the full national team. Right, right. You, you know, so the, the kids that get wrapped up into making a national team, that's an honor, it's a great thing, but that's not the end of the road. And, and so, you know, again, it goes back. I think everyone's path is different. But the country's so big. Um, Connor Sparrow, who was going into his senior year, got hit by a car when he was a junior. Yeah. I was trying to sell him to colleges, saying, I, I like this kid. I like his mentality. But you know what? The senior year, he's 5'10", 140. Gosh. You can't blame him for not trusting me. You know what I mean? And yeah. then look at the kid. But now he's 6'1", 6'2", 175. And so... You know, I think it's partly early developers, um, you know, and then the late developers. You know, again, I, I don't know Matt's, uh, you know, kind of track as far as you physically components, like was he a late developer? Um, 
you know, but that's a, that's a good thing about, I think, the position. And what I tell kids all the time is that if you're good and you're consistent and you continue to work, they'll find you. Yeah. So for Matt, they found him. They, 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 and, and Friedel obviously believed in what he saw. Um, and, you know, and, and he, he took it and ran with it and he's doing well. Um, it's a lot of it's time, you know, and I think it's maturity through the position and just confidence in themselves, yeah. you know. So I, I can't say that someone like Matt was through because he's still young, right? Isn't he, what, what like 23, 24? Somewhere, 25? yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, so maybe the timing was perfect for him. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, yeah. Has there been something you've noticed with, this generation of goalkeepers is you were, I mean, obviously you're working with a lot of younger goalkeepers now, as opposed to when you were playing as, um, kind of something that is, is unique to them. So the thing I guess I'm referencing most is I remember Casey Keller recently, uh, well, recently, maybe a year or two ago, he came out and said that training has pushed away from high reps. Um, and he, while he understood the point behind it, he thought there was a negative impact of, um, getting those goalkeepers with the right mentality and right hunger, uh, getting them all those high reps, getting them tired, be it, getting them to work through it. But now those the modern goalkeepers they they've pushed into more technical stuff, things a little bit easier. So is, is there something you, you've noticed with the the current or the upcoming younger keepers of something specific to their game? Well, I mean, I think I think you know he, he was definitely onto something. Uh, I grew up in an environment myself which was very intense. Um, it was Brazilian style. Uh, my coach, uh, his name was Steve Fuchs. He played SLU with the national team, but his coach was a Brazilian coach named Miguel de Lima. So obviously, he passed on what he learned from Miguel to me. So I learned, I, I was, personally, I lived what Casey Keller was talking about. Right. And I, <laughs> you know, I didn't like it every day. Um, <laughs> but I, I did know that, uh, that I was getting better mentally. I was getting better. Uh, and stronger mentally, uh, and obviously physically, I just you know I was always tall and thin, so I had to let my body kind of just you know accordingly as I got older. Um, but but then on top of that, um, you know your your body and your mind is supposed to react quickly. So why do you train slow? If that yeah, you know. So I think it goes hand in hand. Uh, what I try to do is you know my goalie coach only has one time a year or one time a week. So it's like, I'm just going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to sleep a week. I mean, if we grew up, he got all excited. Um, you know, that type of environment. So I learned a lot from it. Uh, obviously, the amount of time that I have with the goalkeepers now, which is, you know, four or five days a week, 20 minutes some days, we always do 90 minutes. of, of We get a goalie session once a week at the beginning of the week um, for 90 minutes. Um, and that 90 minutes is usually... I wouldn't say all the time harder, sometimes hard, but a good complement of both, I, I think, is needed, and I think Casey is definitely alluding to something that is important. Um, it, 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 technique is very, very important, but technique can always be get better because you're trying to control your body. And so even for me, if I'm looking at developing a goalkeeper, one of my staples is they have to have good feet. Well, and the reason for that is Twofold. It's one is because I know it's the hardest thing for them to gain over time, right, or less time to have. So I want to make whoever the next bully coach's job easier. That's my job. Mm-hmm. Wherever they go, whether it's yeah. pro or college, whatever they end up doing, that's my job. 
is to make sure that the next coach has an easier time. He's always going to find something he wants to tweak technically. That's, that's okay. But Satan's point, the mentality, whether it's what he's talking about training hard or what I was saying earlier about the video stuff and understand how to make their way out of situations, not react out of situations, then that goalkeeper coach hopefully has a, a, a goalkeeper that, that they're just fine-tuning and they're making kind of creepy things that they see that they think is efficient, efficient, or whatnot. Uh, but I do think there is something to be said about training hard, and if someone's never been in that environment where you're really, really pushed physically and mentally, as a player, you're probably not going to be that way as a coach, not because you don't want to be, but just because you were never exposed to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, it definitely does. Well, how do you, you know, I, I think that's, you know, that's a pretty, I guess similar with the the kind of coach overcoaching and finding that right sweet spot there. Kind of a fine line of, you know, I, I feel like there, there's something I see a lot where it's just kind of pointless high reps. And I, I guess from an outside point of view, it's tough to really know because, I mean, I'm just watching from a glance, whether it's on a screen or just walking by or from a distance. But... So I don't know the environment they're creating. So if you've got an environment where you're really kind of crafting someone's mentality, um, I think that is a huge, you know, th there's an obvious point to it. But I feel like a lot of stuff I see sometimes is just kind of like, okay, eight reps here, eight reps there. And it's just kind of more check boxes of, okay, we did work, but it wasn't with a grand design, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, very, uh, very cookie cutter, right? It's like, you know, it's like going on YouTube and picking up a, 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 a drill and then just mimicking it. And is that what you're talking about? Like, right. Like just doing a drill to do a drill? Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, everybody, I mean, I still look on YouTube, right? You know, yeah. I'm trying to find drills. Sure, every sure. drill, you know, I've done drills that I was like, I, you know, or I saw a drill that I was like, oh, I did something like that, you know, five years ago. He just had a different spin on it. Um, I, I think... Again, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, four usually four reps is pretty good if I want to keep them sharp, right? And, and, and where I'm not getting them too tired, um, right? And, and want them to feel good, and you know, because let's be honest, a goalkeeper coach dictate every everything. Their quality is their service, right. you know. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, but for me now, when you stretch the six, the eight. They, they're going to hit the wall, and they might start having, say, an efficient technique, but mentality, they're going through the wall. I think it's a, it's kind of, a, it, it, it can complement complement itself, right? Because you don't want to continually do it because you're going to, you could potentially just create bad techniques, say, maybe diving backwards or something, right? Because there's a lot of movement, and there's eight reps in a row. And so they're going to get tired. When they physically get tired, mentally they're going to get tired. And then that's when they start breaking technically, right? Yeah. And so to push them and find that gain. And so if I have a goalkeeper that's really, really fit and he can get the 10 versus another guy is only six, whatever drill I'm doing, I'm, like for example, I have a drill called the eight banger. And it was the 10 banger back in 1990 when I did it. Softened <laughs> up, I guess. Yeah. But I will go to 10 when they just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm just hitting side valleys to the corners. Well, there's no thought to that, right? Other than, oh, God, i got to get up, run the other way down, get up, run yeah. it up. And a lot of the times, that type of training 
they already know what you're doing. Now it's better than just getting their body there. Um, so the half complement of, I think, of that intensive training based on whatever week they have, or, you know, say they had an easy weekend or, you know, whatever it is, um, complemented with situational shots. And so most of my training is going to be technical slash pressure training. Okay, a lot of, like, what the Spanish would do or South American. And then a lot of my, my other half will be crosses and distribution or say that week I wanted to work on more shooting. I'll make the goalies or I'll bring some forwards in to actually do realistic shooting, but scripted. So, for example, I'll have a passing setup that involves in a shot off a real realistic situation that maybe I saw in the video, maybe I saw in our game video from the week before, maybe I just saw when I was watching them lost goals of the week, you know, whatever it was, I'll mimic something. Um, because also they have to control a ball in a realistic movement, right? And so the more realistic you can make it, the more challenging it is for them to actually make the save. It's very easy for them to make saves, actually, for a goalkeeper to make saves that are fully stretched in the corners. But it's very difficult for them to control a ball that hits exactly the same pace very hard and it's too away from Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so can I complement the pressure training with some of that realistic, somewhat training, um, and, 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 and versus me just throwing a ball in the corner saying, hey, you got to go get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you're teaching them something, but probably, you're probably teaching them more efficiently on technique, right? So you're driving home, say it's five reps, you're driving home technique. If it's high reps, and you're teaching them mentality. And you're teaching them to gain more confidence, to be fearless, to be, you know what I mean? Like stuff. And that's what I gained out when I trained Pressure-wise, that's what I gained most out of it. I wouldn't say my coach is teaching me necessarily how to play the game, but he taught a lot about myself. Yeah. Uh, when you go back about position, you're a man on your own island. You know, so, um, I, I, yeah, so, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, here, last question, we'll wrap up on this. Um, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit of how we've gotten here uh, for the past couple of decades as far as training has gone. Uh, how do you see the landscape as far as goalkeeper development moving forward? Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of worry about the lack of goalkeepers at a high level in Europe uh, at the moment, but we do have goalkeepers moving that way. And so it kind of feels like we lost a generation in some ways. So I guess I'm curious of your thoughts of, uh, are you optimistic looking forward that you see good things or do you feel like there's, there's some stuff that are being kind of roadblocks for us? No, I mean, I'm optimistic and I think, you know, a telltale is the amount of goalie posts we have now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more than it's ever been. And I'm not talking about just pro levels. I'm talking about even the amateur levels, the people running bully academies and this and that. And, I mean, so, therefore, the more you have that, the more likely you're going to end up continuing to find goalkeepers. You know, having a run of, like, Casey Keller, uh, Friedel, and Howard, I mean, if you look at it, you just need three goalies every six years, really. Right? You need a goalie every <laughs> yeah. six years to be pretty good, and we're fine. Um, so I, I'm optimistic, um, definitely about the position, just because of I think it's becoming more fine too. Now it's a matter of maybe becoming better developers, right? But I think you know the, the more that there's coaches out there. Doesn't matter about their quality or inequality, whatever it is, as far as their experience, that draws goalies in there, and then eventually, you know, that goalie will kind of have his own path and maybe 
go to a different club or go to an MLS club or whatever, but they got to start somewhere. Right. Um, but I also think that if, if we thought more outside the box, for example, take field players is a big one. Um, I have a recruit, I have a, 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 a scout, and, and personally for me, he, he came and he had all this paperwork, and he's like, I got all the leads. And he shows it to me, and I'm like, this is great. This is our first meeting ever. I'm like, this is great. I said, okay, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go to the basketball league and Bible league. And he looked at me like, huh? Forget <laughs> because I need asking. Yeah. We'll find the kid, you know. So I, the more that we just think outside the box, the position itself, yeah, you, you, you get better as you play in it, but it goes back to what I was talking about as far as your old buddy that just was a field player, but he's always really good at goal. Yeah. We have to, we have to start thinking that way and start thinking what are, what are the physical traits or mental traits that a goalie puts like, and then finding that goal or finding that athlete. And, and I think, you know, I, and I do think, so when you watch, when you do watch our national teams, I think they're better than what we were as far as depth wise. Um, and to your point where maybe some kids don't get called in, that's okay. That doesn't mean that they're not going to be there when they're 25 or 26, as long as they hit, they have opportunities somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's so much soccer going on right now that I've got to think that we're, we're going to be okay. Um, but again, it, it takes that special player. I mean, we had, we're lucky to have, I don't, what order was it? Friedel, then Casey, or Casey, then Friedel. Casey, then Friedel, right? Or whatever. Oh, they're all pretty close. To, <laughs> yeah, died there. But you know what I mean? But so we're, we're fortunate with that. But yeah. if you think about it, all we need is one. We need one every four, five, six years. If we can find that one every four, five, six years, we're going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. And now, but we have to be hungrier. And, and, you know, in my world, in a club world, you, you want to have two, three, four goalies. You don't know who's the best going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more we have for the national team, that particular age group, there's six kids total that pulled in, you know, throughout the year or throughout camp, right? Not necessarily the same six kids. Obviously, three at a time, whatever. Some of those kids are going to be fine. Maybe not the sixth kid, you know. Maybe not the fifth, uh, but maybe it is the fifth. Maybe it's not the one that they found, you know, the number one kid going in. Maybe he's an early developer, you know. So the more stories we have, like you know, the goal, uh, you know, the goalkeeper at New England, you know, uh, you know, kids that you know, Brad Duzon. I mean, he didn't play goalie until he was sixteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I think the more we it's not about what they're doing at age 11 or 12 necessarily as it is to me what, what kind of makeup do they have to be a goalkeeper they, if, we, if we kind of hone in on that I think we'll continue to develop yeah. stronger goalkeeper yeah well and I think with the the youth national teams when they last a couple of years ago when they started splitting up and get not just doing the U17s U20s U23s but finding every age group I mean they kind of had to find more and more goalkeepers and so I think we're, you know, I've seen that in the last couple of years where they're, it's not just the same names every time called back in, uh, just because they can't. I mean, from a numbers wise, they they don't, they have too many teams to do that. Um, so that's been really encouraging to see and just getting more and more goalkeepers on the list. You know, if someone gets really complacent, and I'm sure you've seen this within your club, but if someone gets really complacent and they know, oh, ha- however I play, I'm not going to lose my starting spot, you know, they're not going to have that incentive to be hungry. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and to that point, 
you know, they're, they're starting to have camps, but they have multiple ages there at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's huge. And I think part of our success in St. Louis is the groups that, the groups that I make are the most important thing. The players that I put next to each other are the most important thing because the peers are the ones that are really going to influence. Yeah. Right? They're going to drive them. The coach is a vehicle, but the players, they should drive themselves. And the peer pressure, positive, right? Like just say someone, you know, I have a 15-year-old and all he wants to do is beat the 18-year-old. Yeah. And maybe it only happens once or twice. Yeah. But he did it. Yeah. That's his influence. And so the more I think, your point, the more they do those basketball camps together, because at the end of the day, as you know, and everybody else, well, that team could be somebody who's 20 years old, it could be somebody who's 35. So the age gets dropped out. So I think, I really think that the, the more that you can have that balance and those influences around each other, the better we're going to be. Yeah. Because of what I was saying, the peers are going to be the driving forces. People they look up to. They can't. Someone who's training with an team at U17 isn't going to train with Brad who's not. Right. But maybe he gets that 19 or 20 year old. Right? So, it, it, you know, it's just a, a, to me, it's a big driving force. And that's part of the reason why I think we've had quite the stuff that we've had is just because of the groups that we've decided we've, or we've picked for links. And so, for example, with the three we have right now, Patrick is trying to chase Seth. Eric is trying to, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's a domino. Yeah. And, and, and when you have that, it's just, it's, it's, you, you know, you just get them in the back seat and they'll just, just go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember, I mean, even, not it wasn't even like sport related sometimes, but with my older brother, there's just so many times I just wanted to beat him at whatever, whatever we were doing, I just wanted to beat him. That was the goal. Uh, and so I mean, completely correct about that peer. Um, I guess not, not pressure, but you're striving to 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 be the best of your peers. Um, you know, that's a, a massive, yeah, massive.